Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt and I'm a nearsighted scrap pile. <laughs> and I'm Jamie and that's funny, the damage doesn't look so bad from out here. <laughs> Yours is way better. I've always like I've always liked that one because it's just that that line is like it doesn't make any sense. Is he talking about the Star Destroyer? I think he's talking about the Tentative Four. But he can't really see it. He's a, he's a robot. He's got robot eyes. It's because uh, things far away don't look as clear. It's a bad line. It's a strange line. <laughs> yeah. Probably find it in a Kurosawa movie one day and then it'll <laughs> all make sense. Did you do any Star Wars this week? Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. Well, I finished off Before the Awakening. There's the young adult book. has uh, three stories. One about Finn, one about Rey, one about Poe Dameron. I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, the Finn and the Ray stories were kind of, eh, all right. I thought the, the Poe Dameron one was much more interesting because it gives you a little bit of backstory about um, the New Republic military and Poe po Dameron joining the resistance and why he joined the resistance. And I, and we, I know we've been talking about that just over text. I thought it was uh, it was pretty cool. Do you want me to say anything about it or you just want to read it yourself? And no, then... I'm going to get to it eventually. And then we can have a discussion about the politics of the galaxy on a later episode. Right. That is something I want to get into with you because I think you and I have a slightly different take on it. And I want to get to the bottom of it. It's something that I'm really curious about. And I think it's pretty important, especially now with the death of Snoke and the structure of the First Order moving forward. Snoke is dead. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert! Yeah, I've I've also stopped reading anything, any kind of post by Star Wars or any other Star Wars official Star Wars related like Facebook page because somehow it immediately devolves into how awful the Last Jedi was, and I'm sick and tired of that argument. Yeah, I've been reading a ton of that stuff because I really want to understand it. I don't want to be the type of person that punishes people for their opinions. I just want to know if people don't like it because of what the movie did or how it was executed. I think the movie was intentionally off style. It was designed to be jarring. And that would be disappointing if that's why people don't like it. I've read a lot that people don't like the plot or that there were too many plot holes or coincidences. And I can give you that. Um, there are plot holes. I really can't discuss it with you if you think that the movie, from a production point of view, is bad. It's beautiful and it's so well made. There's there's plenty of criticisms, you know, legit criticisms. You know, there there are some things that are just kind of like, oh man. You know, I think we all know exactly the the one part of the movie that we all wish could just wasn't there. Spacewalk. Yeah, Leia's spacewalk. On repeated viewings, that gets less and less offensive to me, though. Because I know it's coming, and it's not shocking to me. But the first time I saw it, I was definitely having an uh-oh moment. And as we move forward in the Star Wars universe with more movies, there's going to be a lot of jumping-off points for people. And this was just another one of those. Mm -hmm. And Star Wars is one of those things with a lot of fan ownership. Marvel can make movie after movie, but people just don't care that much about Ant-Man. Mm -hmm. Compared to Princess Leia. Right. Sorry, Ant-Man fans. They could have done anything in that movie and people would have been happy. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, another great example. Right. That the majority of people who went to that movie had never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic book. Yeah. No, I, I've never heard of them until the movie came out. Then I read a ton of stuff online about them. 
Exactly. And so there's not the same level of fan ownership, fan investment in those properties of Star Wars. And that actually brings me to one of the topics I wanted to talk about today, which is the Han Solo movie that comes out in a couple of months. And we haven't seen any concept art or trailers yet at the time of this recording. Um, but since Lego doesn't give a shit, we've seen some Lego leaks. Is it the Kessel droid? Yeah, it was the Kessel Command droid, one of the minifigures that was leaked out of Lego, along with an alien. And then there was the female, Kira, the brunette, and uh, Han Solo in an ATST disguise. Huh. So since they're talking about Kessel, I guess we'll finally figure out about the Kessel run. Or, or the Spice Mines. Yeah, that's true. The Spice Mines, right? Yeah. But maybe we'll figure out what the difference between 12 and 14 parsecs is and how a ship can make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Mm -hmm. The reason why I said this was a segue is because I think this movie is going to be a big jumping off point for a lot of people depending on the execution. I think Lucasfilm is going to get a lot of criticism for this movie. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll be in line to go watch it for certain, but I'm just very, very hesitant. It just... It's just, I, I, don't, I don't understand why they feel the need to do this movie. I'm maintaining my usual cautious optimism about this. I think it's going to be a good movie. I just think that this movie has a lot of potential for fan backlash. There were two Han Solo trilogies in the old EU. Novels. I read part of the first trilogy when I was a kid. I didn't read the others because I never liked the story. But Han is one of the characters that goes on and on and on in the EU. There's so much written about him. There's so much backstory. It's hard to capture. And those fans who like those stories are going to be pissed if they don't reference them, if they change his backstory. And I like your analogy that the EU is like a buffet where you get to pick and choose and take as much or as little as you want. And I honestly hope they do reference some of those stories, but only the parts that make sense and work for the story they want to tell. Right. The EU is such a cluttered mess that there were multiple stories of Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade going on a honeymoon. Because that's a story that needs three versions. <laughs> yeah, people are still hung up on Mara, Mara Jade. I, still to this day, I see stuff. Yeah, well, I married a hot redhead, so I don't have to obsess about Mara Jade. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's not uh, pandering to the audience at all. Yeah, she doesn't even listen. <laughs> Kidding. Love you, honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm just. I just don't know what to think. And I. I hope this. The actor who. Who's playing Han Solo. I hope he's got. I hope he does well because you know Hayden Christensen's kind of breakout role was Anakin Skywalker, and he's. You know he's not well regarded. Yeah, he bought a farm. Not. I mean, literally, he didn't die. He bought a farm in Canada, and he hides there. He doesn't really work anymore. That's because when these movies do poorly, they tend to ruin people's lives. I mean, Natalie Portman survived, but for that reason, I really hope he does a good job and that the movie is well-received. Let me ask you this, though. Okay. Limit yourself to prequel original trilogy era. Who should get a standalone movie to tell their backstory? Who? Okay. Yeah, who? What character? We're sort of bagging on the idea of doing a Han Solo movie, but who should get a movie? Don't say Obi-Wan. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Off the top of my head, just discounting anybody who's had a, a book about them. Oh, geez. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, maybe Sidious or Pal Palpatine. That might be my number one choice as well. This is why we are friends. <laughs> I would love to see a standalone movie of Palpatine, the life and times of Sheev, as it were. Mm-hmm. Sheev, I hardly knew me. Yeah. 
starting when he's an adolescent, make it like a Godfather 2, where we're right. seeing his rise to power. Show us that journey. It's covered a little bit in that Plagueis novel, but it's not canon. If I wanted to save the Han Solo movie as a concept, I would make it a Lando movie with Han Solo in it. Lando goes from a gambler to a governor. When we meet Han Solo, he's in a dive bar. Nobody cares how you got to a dive bar. People want to know how you became governor. People are going to be outraged that there's a black man taking center stage. Yeah, just like Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, those people can go fuck themselves. There's no room for that kind of negativity. I mean, who cares? Right. Lando's an important character, and he has a huge arc that happens entirely off camera. Mm-hmm. Even just looking at the OT, we see Lando maybe three times. He goes from a guy who betrays them on Bespin to a general in two cutscenes. Right. And thus I'm to mention his backstory. So anything more about Lando is good. Anything. Another possibility or another movie I'd like to see would be a movie about anybody on the Jedi Council who isn't Obi-Wan or Anakin. Or Yoda. Yeah, or Yoda. I mean, I would watch a Yoda movie, but what about Yarrow Poof? Maybe not a two-hour movie about Yarrow Poof, but those Jedi Council members, they all have interesting backstories. And honestly, that's one of the things the prequels did really well, and I was really excited about was seeing all the weird Jedis. There's a Minotaur sitting in a chair. Yeah. And the guy who's like half snake, Opo Rancis or whatever his name is. Yeah, I, I do like that idea of something like like in Lost Stars, you pretty much saw the events of the original trilogy, but through these kind of these lesser known characters, this rebel pilot and this this you know uh, imperial officer how they viewed everything but it was on the edges of different battles and different um key parts of the uh, trilogy yeah and lost stars did a great job with that and uh, i've brought this movie up in the past but it's very much rosencrantz and gildernstern are dead as to hamlet which is one of my favorite tom stoppard plays and is a great movie and lost stars does something very similar to that it takes that scaffolding of the movie and lets you hear that story from the point of view of two minor characters mm -hmm. And they do that throughout the whole thing, so you know exactly where you are in the story, and if you know the timeline well enough, you know how the ages of the characters are changing as well. So back to our movie list. Palpatine for sure, right? Because what an important character, and we know next to nothing about him. I mean, people are begging right now for details about Snoke, and I keep saying, you don't know shit about Palpatine. I guess we know right. more about Palpatine than we know about Snoke, but not really. I mean, do we know mm -hmm. anything about Palpatine before the prequels? No, nothing at all. I'm also one of those people that want to know a lot more about Snoke, but more about Palpatine, too. In that Darth Plagueis book, Palpatine murders his entire family when he's a teenager. And that's how he figures out that he can control the Force. He uses the Force to kill his father, accidentally, mm -hmm. in the way any teenager with a shotgun accidentally kills his father. I would definitely be interested in that. And something that we've talked about before, I want to know what happened to all the clones. There has been, let's see, uh, Rex... Gregor, Wolf, that one, uh, the one who was a royal guard in uh, Lords of the Sith, and then there is one who was part of uh, Darth Vader's stormtrooper detachment in um, the Tarkin novel. So that's, you know, that's um, that's like, oh, I lost track. Is that five? It's five. It's, yeah. five. it's five out of millions or hundreds of millions. 
And you're right, there's no effort to fill in that backstory. You have a huge decommissioned army, a potentially economic disaster, trying to employ and get these people to reassimilate in society or just deactivate them. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Empire doesn't seem very proactive about deactivating them because in Rebels, Wolf contacts them, and that means that they're not hiding. Yeah, well, Rex is hiding, right? Rex is hiding because they think he's dead. Right, because he then he killed Ahsoka. The uh, the Kanan novels shows that they that some of them do have some regret because the clone troopers that he fought with, who ended up uh, betraying him and murdering his master, and were like hunting him down. Eventually, one of them turns on the other one. Oh yeah, you mean in the comics? In the yeah, in the comic, Kanan, uh, um, I think it's First Blood. The second one? Yeah, First Blood is the second comic, so it's very Rambo-esque. They drew First Blood, not me. Mm -hmm. The clones turn on each other, and they let him get away. Yeah, so that is something I definitely want to see, because there could be... That's just ripe for just some, like, crazy, uh, crazy stories. You know, some of them obviously stayed with the Empire. Some of them might have had regrets. Some of them just kind of died off. Who knows? You know, some of them just went into hiding, you know, like Rex... There'd be a generation of people who were children of the clones? Is that possible? Oh, I wonder. I've always wondered that. Oh, no, that's not true. I've just now wondered it. <laughs> now that you said it. <laughs> but there was, um, there was an episode of The Clone Wars where there was a, uh, a clone deserter who had a family on Ryloth. Right, that's true. But I think that was his adopted daughter. Yeah, they've never quite gotten around to how interspecies love works. <laughs> it works. It works in Star Wars. There's a lot of half-breeds of just about anything, but we do see a lot of adoption in Star Wars, which I guess is uplifting. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going. Since we're talking about spinoffs, I wanted to bring up that at the time of this recording, the Obi-Wan movie is still a rumor. How would you feel about an Obi-Wan movie that takes place post-Sith, but before A New Hope, obviously, it takes place on Tatooine. We've discussed this briefly before in the podcast, but let's have a little bit more of a fleshed out conversation about it since it seems like it is possible. Somewhere in between like the uh, the comics where they have the just the brief you know stories of his various adventures. The Journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I would I would love this just because he's just wasting away on Tatooine. He doesn't know what to do. He's there for almost 20 years. The idea that he wouldn't be pulled into an adventure? I mean, the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi are fascinating. We can get into this on another episode, but basically the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi are a comic within the comic in the main Star Wars comic line from Marvel right now. They're told as flashbacks to a time when Luke was seven or eight. Mm -hmm. So those are sort of in the dead center of his quote-unquote exile on Tatooine. And those comics really show how bored and desperate he is. He's fucking with the crime bosses because he's bored. Yeah. And he knows that's wrong. He knows he's not supposed to get involved or get attached, but he can't help messing with these Jagoffs because he he can help, and he does. And it's funny and thoughtful, and it's in line with the character, especially Ewan McGregor's interpretation of Obi-Wan. I would love this movie. Love it. It would be so easy to write. The context of a Star, a Star Wars movie could take place in a single day. Mm -hmm. It's completely believable that he could be convinced to abandon his post of guarding Luke for a day or two or a week to go off on an adventure if it were important enough. Right. Yeah, that's something that, that could easily be, you know, explained. He's pretty much, you know, Owen shuns him. And was it Joel, Joel Edgerton? 
the guy who plays uh, Owen Lars. The original Owen Lars? No, the um, the younger one. He was um, the younger guy. He was in Kinky Boots. Yeah, you could have that conversation that Obi-Wan alluded to when he shows up to talk with Owen and says he wants to train Luke as a Jedi, and Owen says, get the fuck off my farm. Mm-hmm. I think the conversation was something like, I wanted to give you this, but your uncle didn't think it was appropriate. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. That conversation could be at the beginning or the end of the movie, but he could go on this mission and realize that his place is actually on Tatooine guarding Luke. He can take the lightsaber out of the box and walk down to the moisture farm and talk with Owen and said, I want to start training Luke. And then Owen can say, get the fuck out of here. I think I mentioned this before, but in the, in the radio drama for star Wars, Luke says the only time he ever saw his uncle scared was talking to Obi-Wan. Yeah, you did say that. And that conversation, even though it happens off camera is incredible. We know these people are looking at all this old material. So please, please, please make this movie. Mm-hmm. We have three people that work for Lucasfilm that listen to this podcast that I know of. Please make this movie. Make it happen. Please. Yes. Please. Please. Please do. Or make the clone movie. Or the, or the Sidious movie. Okay. So here's a new trilogy. Well, I guess Obi-Wan is part of the old trilogy of standalone movies. We need a new trilogy of standalone movies. And here they are. We'll have the Sidious movie, the clone post-Clone War movie, and a Yarl Poof movie. <laughs> Or we can swap out Coyote Mundi for y'all poof. We don't need a Mace Windu movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd like Mace Windu, but I just, I want somebody just on the peripheral. Yeah, I like Mace Windu too. He gets a ton of screen time. He has his own comic. There's a lot about him. I want to study someone on that periphery. I want someone on the edge. Um, they all have stories. They all have journeys. What's the Lonic's name? Even Peel, Master Peel. Yeah, let's follow him from obscurity to Jedi Master. He's a good character. I would watch a Grievous standalone movie. I'm I'm the wrong guy to be answering this question. I just want to know too much. Let's do that for a trilogy. Yeah. So even Peel, decommissioned clones, and Sidious movie. And if you make a decommissioned clone movie, put in a clone death cult where they're all super sorry about what they were forced to do and they commit like ritual suicide with lightsabers. Well, that got dark, but I'm into it. Yeah, well, because just think, like, in um, in Rebels, when they said, when uh, Kanan and Ezra find um, the clones, they're like, oh, the, it's the Jedi, they've come for revenge. So, like, what if, like, you've got, like, a ton of them just waiting around, paranoid that, you know, that the Jedi are going to come and, ki- you know, kill them? How about this? Now we're troubleshooting a movie that's never going to get made. How about there's groups of them dedicated to hunting down Jedi so they can die at the hands of a Jedi? Oh, 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 oh. Okay, In yes. In combat. Yes, I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. So, do you want to move on? Yeah, we better. So, before we start the summary of the cartoon, I wanted to touch base with everyone about where we are in the cartoon. Last week, we discussed The Great Heap, which is out of production order, because the in-universe continuity order, The Great Heap, came before this episode. And so now we're going to pick up with the regularly scheduled release of the Droids cartoons with the Tale of the Rune Comets. This is Droids Episode 11, Tale of the Rune Comets. What this is... <clears throat> this is following what we have is the droids are now with uh with Mongo. That's Mongo Bayabab. So we're on a planet called Manda, which has no relation to Mandalore. I looked at looked and looked. There's nothing about it, but it's in the EU a lot. So the planet Manda <clears throat> is? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call that the planet Manda is a reference to Mandalore. That didn't even occur to me. Yeah, I, I heard that and immediately was like, oh, I'm going to go do what Matt does and like do a, a, a shit ton of research. But mine was completely, it didn't produce anything interesting other than there's a lot of stuff um, uh, around the planet Manda. Yeah, so I'll tell you a secret. Most of my research doesn't yield any results either. But if you research a lot, eventually you'll find something like mupples and you'll find a lot of information <laughs> oh mupples oh those things yes uh, spoiler alert sorry we'll get there getting ahead of ourselves all right so mongo and the droids are on the planet uh, manda first thing you see your stormtroopers they're looking for mongo mongo and the droids are in a cantina waiting for mongo's contact c-3po mentions something about it some two-headed alien looks kind of shifty the alien turns out to be uh, a two-headed alien named Crocs, who is, um, I don't want to say Mongo's friend, but his contact. And he's, he sells Mongo a gold disc, which turned out to be a map to the rune system. This is the, He's the only other two-headed alien that we've ever seen, the other one being the uh, announcer from episode one. Yeah, which I'm glad that's a trend that they decided to leave. Good call. I didn't even think of that announcer. That's one of my least favorite things in all of the prequels. The crowds are going nuts! When I was watching the movie for the first time, episode 1 in 1999, actually 1201 showing, that's one of the moments that took me out of the movie because I hate that character. But when I saw this guy, the first thing I thought of was Zaphod Beeblebrox. I don't know if you're a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan or not. Mm, and not really. I, I understand. And it's a big thing to certain people I don't personally care for. Well, anyway, Zaphod Beeblebrox is a two-headed alien in that book. But good call on the announcer. That's much closer. So Crocs sells Mongo this disc, which turned out to be a, a map to the rune system. Apparently Mongo wants to open up some trade routes there. And in the meantime, R2 plays the jukebox. He puts his uh, probe into the jukebox and it plays some strange music. Then you see a lot of funky, interesting dancing from R2, which is more slapstick kid comedy stuff, I guess. I didn't find it all that enjoyable. And this seems to alert uh, stormtroopers. He uses the jukebox to overload their audio uh, sensors in their helmets. So basically, he just it sounds like he turned the music up uh, really loud or something, and it just causes them to like basically have ringing in their helmets. And then they run out, and there's there's a chase, and they eventually escape to the Baobab archives. Now, something I noticed that the stormtroopers are using like lances; they're not actually using rifles. Yeah, this is a good production note. More fake guns, more things that shoot but don't look like guns. Mm-hmm. They get to the Baobab archives which is uh, just like a big library, I guess, you know, of just various um, maps and, and other stuff, probably just for the, the company. And uh, th it turns out the rune system is in a dust cloud called the Veil of the Sith, which is, is an interesting name, but it never really pays off, at least not in this episode. Yeah, can we talk about it for a second? Oh, yeah, sure. So they refer to the region of space as Cloak of Sith, and I got pretty excited when I heard this name. I ended up doing a shit ton of research on this thing. What I wanted to figure out was if this was the first time in a production, completed production from Lucasfilm, that the word Sith was used in a customer-facing product. I know the word Sith is in the 1976 draft of Star Wars. He used it 
Jedi versus Sith, but that did not make it into the movie. So is this the first time it's said on screen? I haven't listened to the original NPR radio plays of the trilogy. You've listened to those more recently. Did they use the word I, Sith? I think so. You think so? Mm-hmm. That would have been the only opportunity they had to use that word diegetically referring to something inside the universe. So then this might legitimately be the first reference in a Star Wars production that people would have heard the word Sith. Unless, of course, it's in the NPR radio dramas, which you say they are. So, there. I I think so. I don't, don't quote me on that. So there was also an ad I found from a German magazine that reused the word Sith. It was in the 1980s, the early 80s. The ad referred to Darth Vader as an amphibious species who lived underwater, and that's why he needed the suit. It's easy to dismiss as gibberish, or at least mm -hmm. a bad translation. I'll put it this way. Cloak of Sith is a wildly provocative name. It is mm -hmm. very Star Warsy to me. Yeah. All right. So, Mongo says that uh, the rainbow comets will lead them to the rune system. And then there's some C-3PO slapstick, as usual, in the archive. Then they head into this weird Jetsons-like elevator. Now, luckily, it turned out to be an actual elevator, and the floor, you know, like, went up with them. But for a sec there, I, I thought that they were just going to get sucked up into a tube. Good call. It's 100% Jetsons. There's a tube that descends from the ceiling that sucks up a section of the floor that they're all standing on. It is very cheap sci-fi. Yeah. So then we change to a um, uh, to a uh, Star Destroyer. Or Admiral Screed's... It's, well, it's not a Star Destroyer. It's an Imperial ship. And Admiral Screed views a message that he's gotten from a Governor Kung uh, in a probe droid. Kuhn gives Screed a runestone as a gift, and Screed sets course for the Cloak of the Sith. So I noticed that the Imperials look completely different than they do in any of the movies. You notice that they all look like they're wearing like shitty trucker hats. Um, that's sort of a tradition that's carried forward into Rebels. All the officers are wearing these hats that are sort of covering their eyes. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, understand with Rebels that it's just slightly different, but it's the same it's the same style. These are just like completely different, you know, like light colored, you know, like it's like multicolored uniforms or different shades of gray, you know, uniforms versus just the straight all gray. But I digress. So Mongo reveals that opening the trade route could uh, keep his father's merchant fleet from financial ruin. Now, this is the first time that his father's mentioned. I always was thinking that he, he, he was the one who was in charge of everything, but apparently it's the, a family business. So they end up following this rainbow comet. They end up hitting an asteroid and fly off course into the cloak of the Sith. They end up getting into a tractor beam of a huge ship that looks um, kind of like a bird or like a marlin. It I looks guess. like a bird to me. They're gre they're greeted by Kung and his henchmen guards uh, to the what's called the New Umbu Station. And Kong thinks that they're Imperial, um, I don't say visitors and. Mongo doesn't do anything to dissuade him. Now, something I noticed about Kung, he looks the design of him, his face. You've seen heavy metal, right? Are you are you familiar with the the part of it where the guy goes on a rampage trying to kill the uh, trying to kill the corrupt corrupt uh, criminal officer? Um, yeah, the big guy who tears his shirt. Yeah, his, uh, this the character's name is Han Hanover Hanover Fist, which is you know, hand over fist, but he looks 
his face looks identical to this uh, Governor Coon. I just thought it was so peculiar. And it's weird that that would stick out in my mind because I don't, I'm not a huge heavy metal fan, but I just remember that it's like an almost identical copy. Yeah, that's a good call on the Hanover Fist from Heavy Metal. He's sort of dressed like a Manuel Noriega. He's he's dressed like a fake Central American shitty dictator. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess I'm looking. I'm, I guess I'm looking at it. The picture of Hanover Fist and it's nothing like it. So maybe I should. It's pretty close. I was thinking of something else, but yeah, it was just very, just a very square jaw with the, the five o'clock uh, shadow. And you notice that uh, there's this his henchman Gaff sounds like. Star Wars version of Gollum. You don't have any friends. He's like this insect, yellow insectoid who, I don't know if it's armor, but he looks like he's wearing just like underpants, basically. I love this character. I apparently <laughs> have a thing for insectoid aliens in Star Wars. Probably because they Freaky. aren't in, there aren't insect aliens in any other um, science fiction I consume commonly. And... Star Wars really plays with biology, and they're pretty prevalent in these shows and movies. And I think Gaff is a great character design. He's got the compound eyes, he's got the little feelers, he has spikes on his arms. He only has four limbs, but whatever. Gaff is on my short list. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to buy a Gaff action figure on eBay. Do they make them? Yeah, he was one of the action figures made for this show. Okay. Yeah, we covered the action figures in a previous episode. I just looked it up, though. He's 150 bucks on eBay. Yeah, no thanks. So, okay, so they board what looks like a Senate pod. Um, and they, and this part I don't understand. They're bouncing through the tunnels. You know, they don't just drive through, you know, a straight, you know, like from point A to point B, just bouncing on the walls like a, like a pinball or something. I, I, I guess it was just to be more slapsticky. I don't. It was kind of lame, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no reason for it other than to make a slapstick joke. Yeah, and so they eventually end up at the heart of the operation, and you see a uh, like two oh I don't know what you would call them because they they have these in the in the Clone Wars cartoon as well as in in the prequels, just the beam that holds them. They're uh, called ray shields. Ray shields, that's right, ray shields. So this seems like a precursor to the ray shields where you've got one, uh, one thing that's just holding like these things called mupples, which are these white furry things that are supposedly some sort of delicacy, which is obvious not to Muppets. And then the other one is holding a guy called Noop Yeldarb, who previously ran the old Umbu light station before Kung imprisoned him. Well, eventually Screed shows up and blows Mongo's cover. Uh, a typical chase ensues, you know, with some slapstick, but they're eventually all captured. Mongo's thrown in a cage with the mupples, and there's kind of a weird scene where they're kind of just like, he's laying on them, and he's like, uh, yeah. And then he realizes where he is. R2 is given to uh, Kung, and C-3PO is going to have his mind wiped. Now, funny thing. Like, Gaff asks if C-3PO wants a new name to go along with his new personality, and C-3PO says, I've always been partial to Ant, and then he stops. Yeah, what do you think he was going to say? He's going to say Anthony Daniels. (laughs) Oh, I love this episode now. You saved it for me. Oh, okay. This is the best episode yet. 
All right. And then eventually, you know, R2 helps everybody escape. And during the escape, um, there's some Nergon 14 explosives and they just start blowing up everywhere and everybody escapes. Pretty much the episode ends with Noob back at what looks like a big space lighthouse. And then he tells Mongo that they are, in fact, in the rune system. And that's the end of the episode. Did you like it? Um, I, I like this better than a lot of the ones from the uh, the previous arc with uh, Thal and Jord and Kia. For what these episodes are, this is not terrible in my mind, but it's not it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. It had a lot of the problems that I think many of these episodes suffer. And I really disengage with this episode once the chase starts. When Screed shows up to Rune and Baobab has to hide because his cover is blown. It doesn't make any sense. There's no consequence. They all end up captured anyway. The chase is just there for comedic relief or whatever. It's dumb. It's pointless. There's no reason for it. Right. Stuff like that is really starting to grate on me. The pointless stuff that doesn't advance the plot. I also don't like that they have sort of a clever plot set up, but they make no effort to describe it. And this is supposed to be for kids, right? Mm -hmm. So the basic plot is Kung, the Manuel Noriega character, has kidnapped the lighthouse keeper and set up a fake lighthouse to lure ships into his area so he can loot and pirate them. And that's pretty much the whole thing. He's just a pirate who's stealing cargo from people. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode. It is a Scooby-Doo episode. So Kung just is operating a fake lighthouse, and he thinks for some reason this is going to get the Empire's attention and make them really want to work with him, when in all likelihood... Just take it over, yeah. They're going to loot him and toss him out of an airlock. Because he's nothing. He's just a thief. Mm -hmm. So that's my criticism. I did not enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed the Tamuzan Kezibon arc of episodes, which I do enjoy. <laughs> I mean, you went all the way back to Thal and Kia, which is sort of low-hanging fruit for hating stuff. But I find legitimate joy in the Kezibon episodes. But this was a step back for me. Uh, I'm sure I'm on record criticizing Kobe and the Star Hunters pretty hard, but overall the Kezibon Tamuzan arcs were good. This is just a step back. I do like the Anthony Daniels joke, even though I missed it, even after watching it four damn times. The Rainbow Comet looks like a pair of testicles flying through space. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a rainbow and a pair of testicles. I'm sure that's been done before. <laughs> Ultimately, there's just no stakes. Um, this episode just doesn't have anything going for it, except that I've watched the next episode, and it is basically a continuation of this episode. So at the end, when the Umbo light station crashes, uh, Mungo Bayabad escapes in Screed ship. Is it is it Screed ship or is it Kung ship? In uh, Kung ship. Right, Kung ship. And Kung and Screed escape in Mungo's ship. And they're chasing each other, and the next episode begins with that chase. So I'll reserve my final judgment until we've seen the entire arc, but we're not off to a great start, in my opinion. It's not the worst episode, but it's far from the best, in my opinion. I just noticed this just now. Like, uh, the way they made Mongo Baobab, he's, you know, a white guy with a, a beard and a little bit, you know, a little bit of long hair. And all I can think of is like, this is like the epitome of like the 80s hero. He's like the, 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 like the hero from Krull or the hero, you know, the main character from Megaforce. 
Yeah, I think Megaforce is probably pretty good as a descriptor of the guy. He's the first out of the three masters who has a shit together. So he's apparently pretty wealthy, although his family may or may not be having trouble keeping their business together. But we saw him in the Great Heap, and we know that he has the Empire's attention, so he's at least that wealthy. And in fact, for some reason, that isn't explained in the Great Heap, or in this episode, or maybe in any episode, uh, he's basically wanted by the Empire. Probably for tax evasion or something, (laughs) since he's a businessman. Right. Do you want to talk about a couple production notes? Yeah, go for it. So we have a little bit of continuity with the Nergon 14. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. Well, for the audience's sake, since you remember, uh, Nergon 14 was what was being mined in the mine that Kizibon was being held in in the previous arc, the mine held by the Sonic Weapon guy, whatever his name was. Oh, yes. Also, let's talk about Mupples. Oh, all right, fine. What did you think about Mupples? Um, you love them. You love them. No, they just made me think of, I don't know, like at fairs, you can get like these little, these kids' toys, they're like these little furry, feathery things on a stick. And you can just put like little googly eyes on them and then you wave the stick around and then it looks like these things are moving. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm probably yes. not. When I was a kid, I would go to this old-timey amusement park and they would sell basically skinned raccoons with fake heads on them. <laughs> And they were basically mupples. They were like a raccoon tail with a head, and you could hold them in a certain way and make them turn their head around or scurry along your arm or whatever. I'm uh, so white trash. That is pretty trashy. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Sort of the cultural touchstone for a mupple is a tribble. Yeah, I agree. It's almost a direct quote, because the final shot of the episode, C-3PO opens up this cabinet on the ceiling, and a bunch of mupples fall on his head. Oh, you're oh, you're right. Just like in the Trouble with Tribbles. Right, just like in Trouble with Tribbles, they fall out of a cabinet that Kirk opens at the end of the episode, and he's covered in them. Yeah. If you hum to or pet a Tribble, they calm down. If you whistle at these, they calm down. Otherwise, they're all up in your business. Making silly jokes and creating situations, this is very much a Trouble with Tribbles situation for the Star Wars characters. And honestly, I like them. I think they're funny. I think it's a fine little detail to throw in. I love that they said that they were a delicacy. And in the next episode, there's something called Muffle Juice. So go ahead and figure out what that is for me. No, thank you. I I shall pass. I like the design, too. They're sort of amorphous blobs. They sort of look like furry sperm. <laughs> all in all, I like the mupples. That's what I'll say. All right, fair enough. I'm stuck on this Megaforce thing. I've got to... I, I want to watch the movie now. I don't know why, because I know it's shit. I know it's total shit. And just from like the images that I'm finding, I know it's that it even looks, looks worse than I remember. But i I got to watch it. <laughs> So I've gotten no more notes about this episode. It's not my favorite, but we've had worse. A short episode this week, but I'm, I just don't have anything else. All right, so we can go to our patent pending rating system where we rate the episode based upon a Star Wars character. A 10 would be a Darth Vader or a Han Solo. A 1 would be a Dak or a Yaddle. Yaddle, nice. What do you give? Tale of the Rune Comets. Yeah, so like I said, it's not the worst episode, but it's not the best episode. I'd probably give it like a Biggs. Okay. Serves a purpose. I'm sure somebody likes it, but ultimately he's cannon fodder. Interesting. Interesting choice because he actually has a few 
or a few lines say it's much different than what I chose. I chose I chose Klaatu. You're gonna have to help me out with that one. The name sounds familiar, but I don't know who Klaatu is. Klaatu is one of the Nictos on Jabba's tail barge who dies. I was looking something else up because I've been listening to uh, Canto Bite. I've kind of you've kind of uh, helped push me through, and I'm starting to enjoy it a little bit now. But I was starting to look up uh, something, and then I came across this character, and, and I was just like, oh, yeah, this guy. And that's kind of how I feel about this episode. It's just like, you know, if I were to see it, somebody talk about it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that thing. And then I'll probably forget it, just like I'll probably forget about Klaatu tomorrow. Right, just like I couldn't remember the name Kleb Zellock five minutes ago when I was talking about who owned the mine with an Ergon. A good call with Klaatu. I should have remembered him. I'm still um, building my jail or Jabba Sail Barge entourage of characters, action figures. But we can talk about that some other time. Mm-hmm. And his name is spelled K-L-A-A-T-U as a direct reference to the day the Earth stood still. Oh, wow. Good call. Oh, I just I just had my mind blown a little bit more. Okay. He is, uh, according to Wikipedia, he is a, a subspecies of Nikto. Yeah, there's like three species of Nikto. And I said that he, you know, his name is a direct reference to Day the Earth Stood Still. Well, what's the entire quote? Entire quote of what? The Day the Earth Stood Still. It's also used in the, the Evil Dead series. Klaatu Barada Nikto. Klaatu Barada Nikto. <laughs> Mind balloon. Plato, Verada. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, time to wrap it up. We're approaching the end of droids, but we do have a couple episodes left. The next episode is called The Rune Games, and we get to see some Tauntaun racing on the planet of Rune as we follow Baobab and Admiral Screed down to the surface. Awesome. Well, I think that's the show for today. Um, we want to thank everyone for downloading and listening. And if you want to get a hold of us, it's at Yubcast on Twitter and Productions at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yubnub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.